0: Yeah. It is Thursday, November 21st here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the week twelve preview edition of our podcast. I'm your host, Matt Shoff. With me as always is Jared Smola. And Jared, let's jump into it with the post-Thursday action starting in Atlanta. Tampa Bay is going to visit. The Falcons are four point favorites, a 51 point over under. Who would have guessed like three weeks ago that we would get to this game and find Atlanta favored by four over anybody? They were one in seven heading into their week nine bye. They were allowing 31.3 points per game. They have returned to allow 12 total points to their past two opponents. Eleven sacks in those two games after just seven total through the first eight. What are we expecting from the defense in this one? I have no idea, but I
1: think by the end of this game, we'll you know ha- have a better idea of what Atlanta is. If they come in here and, and shut down Tampa Bay, then I'll, I'll take them more seriously as a defense to be afraid of. But for now, I'm, I'm starting all my normal bucks. Obviously, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Jameis Winston. I feel good about you know he he might toss his two or three interceptions, but he he's still going to put up fantasy numbers. Winston's been a top twelve. Fantasy quarterback in four straight weeks now.
0: Yeah, and even right before that four-game stretch, in the game where he tossed five picks against the Panthers, he was still QB 16 in fantasy. So he's going to have the turnovers. He's probably still going to have the fantasy numbers. I agree with you. The the Atlanta defense is now one we have to be aware of, but we'll see after this game whether it's going to be actually a problem or if it was just two odd games, including one against Kyle Allen, who has taken himself out of fantasy consideration. The Falcons have also not taken the ball away very much. They took it away from the Panthers four times last week. They took it away from the Eagles three times way back in week two. Outside of those two games, they have one takeaway – on defense so again two good weeks but we'll see about things this week
1: yeah i mean i think james winston's gonna give it away to anyone so i, I do you know I, I i think the falcons defense is in play this week i think it's one of the more volatile spot starters because you know i i still wouldn't be surprised if the bucks go in here put up you know 28 points
0: and you know maybe winston just turns it over once outside of the obvious guys i would rather not use cameron brate for the bucks coming off 14 targets and 10 catches last week but the two games before that he played 26 total snaps Saw zero targets in those two games. I'm playing Brait over OJ Howard, but I think there are a lot of other tight ends I'd rather play first.
1: There are definitely other spot starters I'd use. I I just don't know what to make of the situation. If we knew Cameron Brait was going to play 75% of the snaps again and dominate tight end targets, he'd be an option. Although the the Falcons haven't been bad against tight ends. They're actually ninth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, though. If Bruce Arians said, yeah, we're going to lean this way because I hate OJ Howard, then I would play Braid, but as it is, I have no idea what we're going to get. And most of the season has been a lot closer to zero than to 14 for Braid. Right, exactly. Elsewhere on the Bucks' offense, Ronald Jones, it's an okay spot. But the Atlanta defense all season has been tougher against the run than the pass. I think it's a worse spot. It becomes a worse spot for Ronald Jones if game flow starts going the way it has in the past two Falcons games since they returned from the bye. And I mean, even though Ronald Jones is now the quote unquote starter for the Bucks, he hasn't exactly taken over. We've still seen lots of Peyton Barber and Ogan bwale on the field, including near the goal line.
1: Right. Jones has seen 52% of the Bucks' running back carries over the last two weeks. Um, and he, he has played a bigger role in the passing game. You know, he had the eight target game. He came back last week and had four targets. But Darry Ogunbwali is still their pass catching back. When they're in come from behind mode, when they're in the two minute drill, when they're in hurry up, it, it's it's Ogumbali out there. So yeah, like you said, if if the Bucks fall behind a lot here and need to sort of abandon the run, I think Ronald Jones is going to come off the field, which obviously adds risk to his to his outlook this week. Yeah.
0: Before we get away from the Bucs, rookie wideout Scott Miller saw a big playing time jump last week, played about half the game, saw six targets, four catches, 71 yards. Bruce Arian said Monday that Miller and Brait needed to step up because the Saints basically doubled Chris Godwin, Mike Evans all day. If other teams start to copy that approach, because that's pretty much all the offense for the Bucs. most of the season. If others start copying that, you know, maybe we'll see a bit more of Miller going forward. I don't think he's more than a fringe option for season long, but he's near minimum salary on DraftKings might be worth taking note of at least.
1: Yeah, the the playing time is worth taking note of, and I think anything to get Prashad Perriman off the field makes
0: sense. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if Miller sort of sticks as the wide receiver three the rest of the way there. Yeah, speedy rookie. There's some upside to him. On the Atlanta side, Brian Hill reminded us last week who he is with a a blog game, and this is a much worse matchup for him on the ground.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, H- Hill got the usage we were hoping for, I think. You know, he played 60% of the snaps, 15 carries, three targets. Hill and Kadre Olsen both had two carries inside the 10-yard line. Allison scored the touchdown. Hill scored a touchdown got called back by a holding penalty. So, you know, it, it looks like it might be, you know, more of a committee down by the goal line, which hurts. And yeah, like you said, the Bucks remain tough against the run. They're, they're still first in Football Outsiders' run defense rankings. They have given up 4.5 yards per carry over their last four games, so that, so they haven't been quite as tough. Hill, not a guy I'd want to use, but you know the Falcons' home favorites here with a high implied total, I think he's he's a decent bet for a touchdown.
0: Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, all strong plays and a strong matchup. Russell Gage, kind of in the same range as Scotty Miller. I mean, I guess you like his offense a little bit better. 9-5-4 mm-hmm. targets over the past three games, so he's uh, you know worth keeping an eye on on the fringe. Yeah, I mean,
1: if you're down in that range, I'd prefer someone like Gage over Scotty Miller. Just trust the volume or like the spot for the Falcons passing offense a bit more. And Gage had a what looked like a touchdown, too, last week. They got overturned after replay showed that the ball hit the ground in the end zone.
0: And it's a nice spot for that defense that has surged over the past couple weeks. The Buccaneers, they can score points, they can throw the ball, but they've also turned it over three plus times in four of the past five games, four plus turnovers in three of those games.
1: Yeah, definitely an option season-long. Um, I was just looking at DraftKings prices before we came on, and the Falcons' defense is priced up. So, you know, they're they're not going to be a cash option for me in, in DFS this week.
0: Yeah, it's a tough pricing week on defense, so we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. Yep. Seattle at Philadelphia up next. The Eagles are two-point home favorite, the 48-point over-under. Honestly, I, I think that the Eagles should not be favored in this game. I think they're being overrated by Vegas. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would never bet against Russell Wilson. But uh, you know th- this this Eagles defense has been better lately. I know uh, Field Yates from ESPN posted on Twitter this morning the Eagles lead the league in yards per game allowed and yards per play allowed since week eight and even the pass defense has been better uh, the Eagles are up to 12th in football outsiders pass D, and since getting uh, Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills healthy over these past three games they've only allowed 170 passing yards per game those games have come against Buffalo Chicago and New England so not the toughest schedule but it does look like the Eagles are at least not you know like a bottom five pass defense anymore.
0: Yeah, they're up to 12th in um, pasty efficiency, as you mentioned. Sixth in overall defensive DVOA on Football Outsiders. And, you know, you mentioned the Bills and Bears, but the Patriots haven't really been a slouch for most of the season. So that was a, a nice performance by Philly. I This is not a very attractive fantasy matchup. I think mm-hmm. it, coming into the season, you might have looked at this one and thought there would be a, a decent chance for points. But I'm not excited about the fantasy stuff on either side here. Russell Wilson's obviously starting. Chris Carson's going to be almost impossible to sit. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Tyler Lockett will be ready to play. I, I think beyond that, I'm not really looking too hard for Seahawks to play in this game.
1: Um, the only other guy to add would be DK Metcalf. I think you know he, he's averaged seven point six targets now over his last five games. If you know if we can count on you know six to eight targets from a guy catching balls from Russell Wilson, I think he, he's a starter. And the Eagles do still remain weaker against outside wide receivers than slot guys the Eagles actually now have allowed the fewest fantasy points to slot receivers and I think I mentioned that last week with the Julian Edelman matchup and they they you know contained him he only had five catches for 53 yards so I think a, a tougher matchup for Lockett than you might think you know you're starting him in season long but I think maybe a week probably not to use him in DFS. Yeah, and, and
0: the 5 for 53 for Edelman was even on 10 targets. So, right. yeah, I mean, Metcalf is is fine. Who would you start between him and Debo Samuel if you were making that decision?
1: That depends on all the Niners injuries, honestly. Like If Sanders and Kittle are out, I, I'd go Debo. But otherwise, I'd probably lean Metcalf.
0: I think i am probably lean Debo, but it's a close one. I'll give you that. It's a worse spot for Jacob Hollister than it is for DK Metcalf. Eagles still 7th in tight end coverage. They've been tough on that position for years. So I would try not to use Jacob Hollister in this one. Yeah, not a good spot, but I know I, I think he
1: should be owned in most leagues and is going to be a spot-start option some weeks down the
0: stretch here. Yeah, certainly not a player to totally forget about. I would play him over somebody like Cameron Brait this week. Yeah, me too. On the Philly side, Carson Wentz, I, I really think, doesn't have enough around him to get into the top 12, otherwise would be in there, I think. There is some upside If we get a bunch of tight end targets in this game, which is a possibility, Seattle's 23rd in tight end coverage, Zach Ertz is on a hot streak, and Dallas Goddard has seen more usage lately, including five plus targets in four of his past five games. Right, Goddard
1: could in good usage. His um, route rates have been on the rise. He actually, ran a route on seventy four percent of Carson Wentz's dropbacks against the Patriots last week. So I think you know Ertz obviously a starter. I, probably the tight end one this week if George Kittle's out. Um, and I think Dallas Goddard's a top twelve option too. Um, sounds like Alshon Jeffrey is going to be back from his ankle injury this week. I think you know he's like a low upset wide receiver three. Then uh, Nelson Aguilar has missed the first two. Days of practice. I think it's with a knee injury. So, you know, he's not really a fantasy option, but he, if he's out, it would only help
0: uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And maybe Jordan Matthews if you're looking way down the list for a, a wide receiver. He didn't do much last week, but he got six targets.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, if we're talking about
0: Russell Gage and Scotty Miller, I guess we got to talk about Jordan Matthews. <laughs> yeah. But that's about all we have to say about him, really. Yes. It might even be an upside spot for Jeffrey. Only the Panthers and Vikings have allowed more wide receiver receptions per game so far than Seattle has. And the Seahawks have allowed a wide receiver to go for 110 plus yards in three straight games and five of their past six games. I mean, most of those guys were high level receivers, but the last one was Debo Samuel for the Niners. And I don't mean to denigrate Debo Samuel, but he's a rookie who only recently became a prominent member of the Niners pass offense and he went for 110 on the, on the Seahawks in their last meeting.
1: Yeah, I like the matchup for Alshon. I just I don't I don't like the player at this point. He, he just to me hasn't looked the same since returning from that calf injury. He's averaging just 10.5 yards per catch since coming back. And now, you know, toss the ankle issue on top of that. I'm just I'm just not sure he has upside even in good matchups at this point.
0: Yeah, but at least if he gets 13 targets, he can catch six of them. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> and the Eagles still limited Miles Sanders' carries last week, even with Jordan Howard out. and Even with Miles Sanders starting the game pretty well. So, I mean, Miles Sanders, if Jordan Howard's back this week, and it seems like that will probably be the case, although we'll have to watch his participation throughout the week. But Sanders is going to kind of disappear back to the background, it looks like.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see about Howard. Obviously he was limited again on Wednesday and he he was limited in practice all last week. He's still waiting for, um, you know, full medical clearance for contact and all that stuff. So I, I think we still don't know about him if he's out. I, I still do like Miles Sanders as, you know, maybe like a lower end running back too. He he did only see the 11 carries four targets last week, but he played 85% of the Eagle snaps. I got to think if he plays that much again this week, he, he's going to see at least a
0: few more touches. I would hope so, but I don't understand the reasoning for not giving him more last week and, and throwing the ball so much. Me either. Miami at Cleveland in a game I would love to skip, but we'll talk about <laughs> it anyway. Browns are 11-point home favorites, which seems a little high, but I can't say that. I would necessarily bet the Dolphins 44.5 over under. I mean, you start all your Browns. Even Baker Mayfield cracked the top 12 this week, and Kareem Hunt might be the most interesting guy. Uh, I think he's in play, he's seen nine and eight targets in his two games with the Browns, caught seven and six balls in those. He's basically a wide receiver starter for PPR playing at running back.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how they're using him. You know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have been on the field together quite a bit. A lot of the catches I've seen from Hunt have been like design stuff to get in the ball. They're not just like check down. So I think we can sort of count on the big passing game role continuing. And I also think there's a chance he sees more rushing work this week if, you know, this game goes like Vegas
0: expects and Cleveland's playing with a big lead. I think, you know, you could see Hunt get, you know, eight to 12 carries too. David and Joku came off IR this week. Uh, I don't know yet if they're going to have him in the mix to play. So we'll kind of have to watch that. Yeah, and if they do,
1: I mean, I think he has to be in the mix. There's obviously risk in his first game back from the broken wrist, but he's a big talent. He, he caught four balls for 37 yards and a score back in week one, his only full game of the season. Matchup's obviously good here, too. Um, On, on Njoku, too, Um, he gets the Bengals in week 14 and the Cardinals in week 15. So you know, he he's definitely a guy to at least stash, even if you're not going to use him this week.
0: Yeah, I would definitely go ahead and grab him either way. And, you know, at a position where we're talking about guys like Ross Dwelly and (laughs) Jacob Hollister, uh, David Njoku's in the mix if it looks like he's going to start in this game. Yes. The Cleveland defense is 13th against the pass, according to Football Outsiders so far. That is definitely high enough for me to say pass on Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Really, the only guy on the Miami side that I'm interested in at all, is Devontae Parker, and after he hung seven catches for 135 yards on the Bills, I think Parker's basically a weekly guy at this point.
1: Yeah, I think he's like a weekly wide receiver, too, at this point. I think we, we've probably just been too low on him most of the season, and especially since Preston Williams has gone out. Parker has 10 targets in each of the last two games without Preston Williams. Matchup's fine here. I mean, the the Browns' secondary has gotten healthier. Parker's probably going to see a lot of Denzel Ward, but like you said, he, he just put
0: up 135 yards in what I think is a tougher matchup against Trey White. Yeah, five straight weeks of 55 plus yards for Parker, uh, 55 plus in eight of his 10 games this season, and five plus catches in four of his past five games. So basically a weekly starter in in fantasy at this point. Anything else from this game?
1: Yeah, I know you won't bring him up, but I think Mike Kosicki is still a a decent option at tight end. Um, Six targets in each of the last two games without Preston Williams. Not a huge number, but the 12 total targets rank eighth among all tight ends over that span.
0: Browns are, are a neutral matchup to tight ends. Yeah. That's about all I can say about him. <laughs> Giants at Chicago. The Bears are six-point favorites, and I think this is wrong, honestly. A 40.5-point over-under. I'm not expecting big points here, but the Bears are 1-5 in their past six games. They have topped 16 points four times all season they're averaging 4.3 yards per play on offense they sit 30th in total yards 28th in scoring I don't think that the Bears are capable of scoring enough points to make this six point line viable and I don't think that they are still a strong enough defense that shutting out the Giants is a realistic possibility here.
1: So I agree that the six points is too much. If I was betting it, I definitely take the Giants. Um, I, I still think, though, that you're underrating the Bears' D a little bit. Here's where they rank in Football Outsiders DVOA. They're, they're fourth in overall defensive DVOA. They're fifth in weighted DVOA, which you know puts more weight on recent games. And they're sixth against the pass, and they're 12th against the runs. So, you know, I still think it's a good defense. It's not the dominant unit it was last year, but I do still think it's
0: a, a D to try to avoid in fantasy. Yeah, I certainly agree that it's a good defense, but I think that when they ha- when there's a six point line, I know you said you agreed, but I think that the kind of line that they have on this game, it makes it look like they're treating it like the same Bears defense from last year or like this shutdown defense, and I, I, it just isn't at this point. I mean, for so for the Giants side, I think it's there's the possibility that it, it's a rebound kind of game. For Saquon Barkley, especially coming off the bye for him. The defense remains solid, but it's been weak, fairly weak against the run lately. Since week four, which was the game before their London game against Oakland, six of seven opponents have scored running back rushing touchdowns. Only Detroit in that span has failed, and that's because Detroit doesn't own a running back. <laughs> four of the past six opponents have scored multiple running back touchdowns. So it could be a solid spot for Saquon Barkley. I wouldn't be surprised to see a good game from him.
1: Yeah, the Bears also giving up just 3.7 yards per carry, though, over their last five games um, to running back. So, you know, again, I think it's – you're starting Saquon Barkley. I, I just
0: – I don't think it's a great spot. No thanks on Daniel Jones. No thanks on Darius Slayton, especially if Sterling Shepard finally passes through the concussion protocol and gets back. It seems like he's close, but he's been close before and then had a relapse, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there on Jones. I wouldn't want to start Darius Slayton. It does help that it looks like Evan Ingram's gonna be out. It looks like Rhett Ellison is gonna be out with his concussion. So the Giants are down to to rookie Caden Smith at tight end. So I do think you're gonna see more targets going to Barkley and the wide receivers. So I think Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, both like wide receiver threes in this spot. Again, I'm with you on Slayton. Wouldn't want to use him, but you know, I guess there's still a chance he sees, you know, five, six targets with all the tight end injuries.
0: Caden Smith's another Stanford tight end, I believe.
1: He is another one.
0: Yeah, so I I think Golden Tate's pretty much a weekly PPR, at least wide receiver three at this point, but nothing else excites me on the the Giants side. On the Chicago side, I mean, Allen Robinson's a weekly starter, and Taylor Gabriel's a decent option at this point. Three games of six-plus targets and four-plus catches among his past four, his playing time is back up to 86% and 91% over the past two weeks, while Anthony Miller continues to disappoint
1: yeah, and Gabriel and Miller were busy last week. Um, you know, yeah, Jalen Ramsey shadowing Allen Robinson, so I think that pushed more action to Gabriel and Miller. Miller saw eleven targets, but he he had seen six total targets in the three games prior. So I'm not ready to trust that increased usage yet for him. But but Gabriel, like you said, ha- has seen pretty steady targets over the past month and So I think he he's an option. Not excited about him part of this Bears offense, but you know, if you're if you're down the list looking for a wide receiver four
0: type, I do think he's in play. Yeah, I would play Taylor Gabriel pretty comfortably over guys like Scotty Miller, Russell Gage, Jordan Matthews, you know, other low level wide receivers we talked about. And I mean, after the game, Matt Nagy did also call out Anthony Miller for running a bad route on (laughs) one of Mitchell Trubisky's interceptions, which can't help his, his case.
1: Can't help his case. Um, Yeah, Gabriel to me is right there with Russell Gage um, as the two guys I like most
0: among those we've listed so far. David Montgomery, no better than low RB2. I don't believe, as I said, that the game flow will go as positively here as the Vegas line suggests. And the Giants are 14th against the run compared with 28th against the pass. So if there's anything that they do decently, it seems to be playing against the run so far. Right. I do think that this game will be
1: close so the Bears can keep feeding Montgomery. So I think he's a he's a good volume bet here. Um I think he was limited by the ankle injury uh this past Sunday night. Montgomery's off the injury report for this week though, so it seems like he's, you know, close to hundred percent. So I think unexciting running back too, but I think, you know, he's a pretty good bet for fifteen plus touches. Yeah, hundred percent of
0: David Montgomery hasn't looked too great so far. I know. Carolina at New Orleans. Yeah, I think I wrote down Panthers by eight and a half, but I'm gonna I, I'm gonna assume it's Saints by eight and a half without rechecking the Vegas line here. On the New Orleans side, Marshawn Lattimore is still out from Wednesday Wednesday's practice, dealing with a calf injury. That's good news for DJ Moore. You're starting DJ Moore anyway, but the matchup gets a lot better for him if there's no Lattimore in this game.
1: Yes, DJ Moore, a weekly starter at this point. He's 13th in PPR points among wide receivers since week five, and that's despite not scoring a single touchdown. Only three
0: wide receivers have seen more targets than Moore since week five. I think it was Rich Rebar, on Twitter who compared Curtis Samuel to Marvin Jones. And I think it's a good comparison. We've seen no more than four catches for Curtis Samuel in any game since week three. His targets have been fine though. He's scoring touchdowns. If he does score a touchdown, he's a wide receiver too. If he doesn't, he's like a wide receiver for four or five. I mean, do with that, what you will. Right. Samuel has six plus targets in every game
1: since week one, but he's averaging just 48 yards per game over that span. So yeah, he's been a touchdown or bust guy. Don't love his odds at a a touchdown here. I don't think the Panthers offense does much in general. The Saints have allowed just three total wide receiver touchdowns over their last five games.
0: Greg Olson has caught five-plus balls in two straight games. It's the first time he's done that since week two and week three of this season. Those games, the first time, came against the Bucs and Cardinals, so great spots for tight end production. Negative matchup here against New Orleans. It's a bad position, so you can't really push Olson too far. I think he's no more than a fringe option, though. And if Gerald Everett proves healthier heading into the weekend, I think I'm taking a shot on Gerald Everett over Greg Olson.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on Everett if he's off the injury report, and we'll talk about him later here. But yeah, I would start him over Olsen. But yeah, Olsen averaging seven targets per game over the last three. So I think that fact alone, you know, sort of makes him an option at tight end.
0: And I mean, otherwise, there's nobody I can see behind Greg Olsen that I'm pushing past him. So he, right. he's pretty much at like tight end 12 or 11. Yep. The Saints D is a top play here. I would look for a run heavy offense from the Saints in this one in a game that should support that. And I think that makes Latavius Murray a solid option. I'm definitely taking a shot on him over David Montgomery. Over the past three games that Alvin Kamara has played, that's a span that started with the game in Jacksonville where he was playing through knee and ankle injuries. But that three-game span, including these past two, has seen a 55-45 carry split between Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray after it was much more Kamara favored uh, before his injuries.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this is a game I think you could see the Saints running backs combined for like 30 carries, so you could get 12 to 15 carries out of Latavius Murray and the Panthers, as we've talked about, they're still dead last in Football Outsiders' run defense rankings, giving up 4.8 yards per carry to running backs on the season and 5.1 yards
0: per carry over the last four games. Jared Cook only got two targets last week in a matchup that should have favored more usage for him, especially with the Bucks playing without their starting slot corner, but the two targets he did get, he caught one and tur- he caught one on a short slant and turned it into a 30-yard catch and run. His other target was a nice catch, falling backward and leaping in the end zone for a touchdown. So I think in his two games back from injury, he has impressed. Now he gets Carolina, which is 20th in tight end coverage, been tougher on wide receivers this year. It's a solid matchup for Jared Cook, and he looks like pretty much a weekly starter going forward.
1: Yeah, he looks good, I think. You know, being just being in this game environment is one of the better bets at the tight end position for a touchdown this week. And you know, he, he saw ten targets back in Week Ten, so I, I think the the usage might be volatile. But you know, at this position with his touchdown upside, I think he's a good starter. I I do Jared Cook over Greg Olson.
0: Oh yeah, very easily for me too. Denver at Buffalo Bills by four points at home, thirty eight and a half over under. Expect I, I would expect lots of Philip Lindsay in this game against a Bills defense that is strong against the pass, weak against the run. We got a season high snap share for Lindsay last week at Minnesota. Not a defense that favors using your running back. 16 carries were his second most of the season. I like Lindsay. I I, I like Lindsay to reach the top 10 among fantasy running backs this week against the Bills.
1: Definitely possible. You know, my only concern is if the Broncos fall behind and have to abandon the running game. I'm not ready to call it a trend yet because it's only been two weeks, but Brandon Allen has targeted Lindsey and Royce Freeman a combined four times in these two games. It's a 7% target share for the running backs. You know, it, it was up above 20 with Joe Flacco under center. So I'm a bit concerned about Lindsey's passing game usage, but like you said, the matchup's good and, and it seems like Denver is sort of ready to give more of the workload to Lindsey over Freeman.
0: Yeah, I can certainly agree with the concern for the passing game usage. I'm just not sure that the Denver playbook includes the page for abandoning the run game, even when you fall behind. (laughs) It would be smart if it didn't. Royce Freeman's more dependent, I think, on game flow now after his season-low playing time at Minnesota last week. And he's only seen four total targets over the past three games, which stretches back to when Joe Flacco was still playing. Royce Freeman's a fringe option. I'm I'm playing probably David Montgomery over him. I'm definitely playing Latavius Murray over him. Oh yeah, it's it's Montgomery and Murray easily over Freeman. I, I
1: would try not to use Freeman
0: if I could help it. Cortland Sutton's a weekly option, but it's not a great spot for him against Tradavius White. I mean, we just saw Devontae Parker beat that matchup though, so yeah. we know it's possible. Yeah, man, Sutton
1: is like emerging as an elite wide receiver. So I, I, you know, I think, I think you downgrade him in this matchup, but I think he's
0: he's basically matchup proof at this point. Yeah, it looks like it. Noah offense, basically a weekly tight end 12 at this point, but it's a, a bad matchup for him too. He should be a volume play probably though.
1: Yeah, the Bills have allowed the fewest catches t- to tight ends in the second fewest receiving yards, but, you know, sort of like with Greg Olson, um, Fanta guy you can count on for, you know, five to eight
0: targets. I think he, he's still in play as a low end tight end one. Great spot for the Buffalo defense. It's a negative matchup for Josh Allen, but he's still in low QB one territory because of the rushing and because there are bad matchups for plenty of other quarterbacks in other places.
1: Yes, really tough matchup um, through the air for Josh Allen, but you know that that matters less when you have the rushing upside that
0: he does. Uh, I'm really not looking at anyone here strongly besides John Brown. Certainly not any pass catchers besides John Brown. It's not a good matchup for Devin Singletary. Denver's sixth in run D, sixth in running back coverage, but Devin Singletary at least looks like the number one running back here, and I think if they're struggling to get the ball going on the ground, then he should see a bump in targets over last week.
1: Yeah, 43 carries and 11 targets for Singletary over the last three weeks now. So you know, that, that's sort of what keeps him in play. Um, like you said, tough matchup. Denver allowing just 3.7 yards per carry on the season. 2.8 yards per carry over their last five games. The other issue with Singletary is he's just not getting work near the goal line. He has just three carries inside the 10 all season. Frank Gore and Josh Allen have combined for 21 of them. So it's, it's tough
0: to count on a touchdown from Singletary. Yeah. I mean, when you have Cam Newton as your quarterback, you you don't get the shots down there as often. Exactly. Detroit at Washington, the Lions are three and a half point road favorites. And probably with Jeff Driscoll as the quarterback again, right? Yeah, it definitely seems that
1: way. And Jeff Driscoll has finished quarterback 11 and quarterback five the past two weeks. And it's largely been because he's a run for 88 yards and a score. And quite a few of those carries have been designed runs. So I think we can count on that rushing, continuing the matchup through the air is pretty nice too. You know, the Redskins 26th in football outsiders past you. So I think Driscoll, a nice quarterback two, and maybe in deeper leagues is a quarterback one option this week.
0: Yeah, definitely a viable streaming option this week, especially after we watched Sam Darnold of all people throw four touchdown passes against Washington last week. Uh, I would probably take a shot on Jeff Driscoll over Jimmy Garoppolo this week. It wouldn't be crazy. Yeah. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, fine. Danny Amendola has caught four-plus balls in four of his past five games. Basically, Danny Amendola this season has been what Cole Beasley's contract says that Cole Beasley should be. (laughs) And I think Danny Amendola is kind of a weekly fringe PPR candidate at this point.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I still think, you know, the move from Stafford to Driscoll, Kurt he he's seen 14 targets over the past two weeks from Driscoll, caught eight of them for uh, 79 yards. So, you know, that's kind of what you're going to get out of him. Um, Redskins have been a neutral
0: matchup for slot receivers. Yeah. So, you know, start him around an expectation of like four for 40 yep. and that helps you then go for it. And if it doesn't, like he's, he seems like a safer bet in the range of guys we were talking about earlier, Taylor Gabriel, Russell Gage, those kinds of players. Safer, yes. I think Gabriel and, and Gage have more upside this week. I definitely agree with Gabriel having more upside. I think Amendola and Gage are fairly even on that one. I just think the Bucks' pass defense gives gives the edge to Gage there. You can see it. Uh, not excited about Bo Scarborough. Obviously, it's a fine spot, though, if you did play a bunch for him in waivers this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we can expect him to be the lead ball carrier there's no guarantees obviously the issue with scarborough is you know he saw zero targets last week so i don't he's he's going to be involved in the passing game at least you don't have to worry about game flow working against him here you know we shouldn't have to worry about it um and and the redskins you know team teams are running against the redskins they fought they faced the most running back carries in the league this season they've given up the fifth most running back rushing yards. so I, i think scarborough a
0: decent bet for like 15 carries in this spot and I'm finally going to skip talking up TJ Hawkinson. He did see <laughs> his second largest snap share of the season last week, but he only saw two targets, his second fewest in any game this year.
1: Redskins are 30th in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings, 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. It's a good spot. I don't care. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of over Hawkinson, though. <laughs> Jerk.
0: On the other side, Terry McLaurin. He's probably in lineups. It's a great matchup if he has a quarterback who's going to do anything. Otherwise, Darius Geis is, I think, the only other guy worth really talking about. He's my first choice in the Washington backfield, high in running back three range. But mm-hmm. I mean, even risk there that that he actually leads that backfield in touches. We don't really know what his role is going to look like. Just kind of assuming that it grows at least a little bit over last week. And I think he's more of an upside athlete than either Adrian Peterson or Wendell Smallwood at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I still love Geis the player. Um, I, I think it. I think we might need to wait until next year for him to have any type of breakout. Chris Thompson expected back for Washington this week. He he probably just slides into Wendell Smallwood's role as like, you know, the pass catching guy. Um, But I think that probably keeps the upside on Geis's role in the passing game capped a bit. Um, You know, we'll see how much the ground game role grows for him, but I I would, I'd like to see it expand before I, before I
0: use him in fantasy lineups. Oh, for sure. I would hope to not use him at this point, but if Jordan Howard is back, mm-hmm. I think that I would play Darius Geis over Miles Sanders this week. That's the range.
1: Uh, that's the range. Close for me. You know, I'd, I'd use Otavius Murray over both
0: of them. I'd use Kareem Hunt over both of them. Yeah, I agree with both of those, too. All right. Oakland at the Jets in a game that should matter more. The Raiders by three points on the road. 46 and a half over under. I think Derek Carr is a strong option this week. The, uh, the only real risk with him at this point is that he doesn't happen to be the one that throws the touchdowns, but... We saw Dwayne Haskins throw two touchdowns against the Jets last week. Granted, one was a 45-yard screen pass, but Derek Carr has been throwing more in the red zone lately. He had a season-high six pass attempts inside the 10 last week against the Bengals, despite only one touchdown pass in that game. That's according to a pro football reference. Three completions there. Derek Carr does have five straight games with at least one touchdown throw inside the ten yard line. He had only two such touchdowns through the first five games. And he has had fifteen attempts inside the ten yard line over the past five games after just seven attempts over the first five games.
1: Nice. I like to hear that. I um, mean you know, volume in general has been the issue for Derek Carr this season. That could change this week because the The Jets are much better against the run than the pass. Football Outsiders has them second in run defense, 21st against the pass. And, you know, Dwayne Haskins last week finished 15th in fantasy points against the Jets, a pretty nice finish for him. And in the three games prior, um, the Jets allowed a top
0: six quarterback in all three of those games. Yeah, and that included a huge day for Daniel Jones. So it's a nice spot. Yep. Tyrell Williams gains upside here. Defense, as you mentioned, plays the run a lot stronger. Last week was the first time, though, that Tyrell Williams has topped three catches since week two, and he did that on just four targets. So we need to see a little bit more volume here, but it's at least a good spot.
1: Yeah, good spot. The Jets have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to left wide receivers, the ninth most to right wide receivers. You know, they're getting beat by the outside guys, and and Williams has run about 80% of his routes on the outside. Valium has been the problem, but again, if Carr is gonna throw it more in this matchup, and he really should, that should bring Williams with him and you know, maybe
0: give him a target boost. Hunter Renfro averaged two point three catches per game through his first six. He's seen four, six, four, and five over the past four games. His yards per catch are also up. He averaged eight point two yards per catch over the first six games. Over the past three, he's averaged ten point eight yards per game. And I chose those three because that takes out the Houston game where he had the long catch-and-run touchdown that you know kinda changes up the yards per catch. So a little bit more involved, even though he's not playing all that much more and getting more targets, more consistent receptions. Yeah, Renfro's tied with
1: Darren Waller for the team lead with twenty two targets over the last four games now ahead of Tyrell Williams. And Renfros finishes a top twenty nine PPR wide receiver in, in three of his last four games. So I, I'm I'm uh, I'm jumping aboard the Renfro trade and I, I think he's an option. I would play Renfro over all these like fringe guys we've been mentioning.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he's pretty similar to Danny Amendola, but there are fewer wideouts ahead of him than there are ahead of Amendola.
1: Yeah, fewer wideouts. Um, I trust Renfro's quarterback more, and I like his matchup better.
0: Yeah, I agree with all that. Darren Waller is obviously a weekly starter. He's a strong play this week. His targets last week were back up to seven after two and five in the previous two games, and his snap share has stayed over 90% in eight of his 10 games. So I mean, it, it looks like a two game blip. Let's hope it stays a two game blip with his drop in targets. I know Foster Moreau has been an issue, but Darren Waller looks pretty safe. Yeah, I think
1: Moreau and Renfro taking on increased roles have, have it's hurt Waller a bit. But like you said, you know, he he's seen five plus targets in every game but one this season. He's seen seven plus targets in seven
0: of ten games. So he, he's still an easy starter. Yeah, he's just not gonna be the ten targeted guy, ten right. targeted game guy that he was early in the season. Exactly. On the other side, it is a nice spot again for Sam Darnold to repeat what he did last week. I don't bet that he's going to repeat four touchdowns like he did against Washington before that Washington game. He had seven touchdowns versus nine interceptions on the season. Sam Darnold is in our top 12. I don't think that if I had Josh Allen as my starter that I would go grab Darnold to play over him. I do, though, think that I would play Darnold over Dak Prescott in my own lineup this week. I'm not sure I could pull the trigger on Darnold over Tom Brady. I, I'd play Darnold over all
1: those guys. Um, you know, I, I've said before, I, I still believe in Sam Darnold, even though he you know, looked horrible for a stretch there. Um, he, I think he's been playing better lately here. And last week he set season highs in quarterback rating, adjusted yards per attempt, PFF pass grade, all season highs. And, you know, again, the matchup here, Raiders 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Oakland had allowed multiple passing scores in six straight games
0: prior to facing Ryan Finley last week. Oakland does have a what seems to be a strengthening pass rush, though. That is true. So I think we'll talk a little bit more about Sam Darnold and compare him to another quarterback in a few minutes. But move on to Sam Darnold's wide receivers here. Jamison Crowder is a weekly play, especially in PPR. And I think Robbie Anderson is also at least a solid play this week, knowing that he comes with you know plenty of volatility.
1: Crowder is definitely an easy starter this week. Um, he he leads all wide receivers in PPR points over the last three weeks now, um, and Oakland's allowed the 10th most PPR points to slot receivers, so good matchup for him. Robbie Anderson should be a play here. He has 10 total targets and four catches over the last three weeks. I think the the Jets' O-line issues, their pass protection, protection issues, and you mentioned the Raiders' pass rush coming on. I think that's just preventing Anderson from making those big plays downfield, so... He's an option because the matchup is good, but
0: I wouldn't be shocked if he gives you another dud. Are you sure it's not just Ryan Griffin turning into a monster? Four <laughs> plus catches, 50 plus yards in three of his past four games.
1: That could definitely be it.
0: I think Ryan Griffin is a play this week, uh, basically because you have to after what he did last week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's in the same range as like the Greg Olson's and no Fans, and I might even lean towards Ryan Griffin. He's probably not quite as good a volume bet as guys like Olsen and Fant, but the matchup's a lot better for Griffin. The Raiders are 29th uh, in adjusted
0: fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Yeah, I would play Griffin pretty comfortably over those two guys. I would play Jared Cook over Ryan Griffin if I'm making that decision, but I don't know how many of us actually has two tight uh, ends at this point that we're considering starting. <laughs> right. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. The Steelers are seven-point road favorites here over under 39. It's This is a bad fantasy game. Juju Smith Schuster's not expected to play. He's got a concussion and a knee injury. Adam Schefter said this week that it would be a, quote, mild upset if James Conner or Deontay Johnson plays. So I think if James Conner's out, then Jalen Samuels becomes a fairly easy start. I mean, Jalen Samuels is in consideration even if Conner's active.
1: Yeah, he would be. But yeah, if Conner's out, Samuels is definitely a start. You know, he, he saw. 22 carries and 20 targets in those two games Connor missed earlier this season. Samuels averaged just 1.8 yards per carry, but he gets the Bengals here who are giving up 4.7 yards per carry to running backs. Football Outsiders ranks them 24th in run defense. So I think Samuels should do more on the ground here and still obviously remains a good target bet in the passing
0: game. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh needs to look to upgrade its um, running back depth chart in the offseason.
1: Yeah, um, Benny Snell is on track to return this week, too. So, you know, maybe he cuts a bit into Samuels' workload. But, yeah, you know, I, I, again, I at least expect Samuels to see, like, half the carries
0: and dominate the passing down work. And it all, whoever's playing, it will at least come against a very weak defense in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yep. James Washington, <laughs> even if Juju and Johnson are out, I still think Washington's no more than, like, a, a mid-to-low wide receiver three in this game.
1: Yeah, and I, I saw that Schefter tweet that, you were talking about but Deontay Johnson was a full go in Wednesday's practice so I, I think he, he at least has a chance to get cleared ahead of Sunday's game that would obviously I, I think if Johnson plays that he and Washington are both wide receiver threes I mean the, the matchup's fine I, I just don't know how much the Steelers are
0: going to have to throw the ball here yeah if Johnson's back I'll play him in wide receiver three range I'll push um, James Washington down to wide receiver four range I would rather play somebody like Hunter Renfro yeah, I mean, I would definitely prefer Johnson over Washington if they're both active. Vance McDonald has seen seven targets in three straight games. He's a decent option. It's a good matchup, but he has not reached 40 yards receiving in a game since week one. That, of course, was the only game where that Ben Roethlisberger finished the season. And McDonald hasn't reached 35 yards since week two.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mason Rudolph is a problem for all these Steelers pass catchers. But I think, especially this week, with Juju Smith-Schuster out, Vance McDonald is right in there with like Greg Olsen and Noah Fant as guys
0: who you can count on for, you know, 6 to 8 targets. Yeah, I agree and he's in a better matchup than Noah Fant, a much better matchup than Noah Fant and probably a better target bet than Greg Olsen this week, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um assuming Juju's out. On the Cincinnati side, Joe Mixon 21, 33 and 18 opportunities over the past three games that wraps around the week 9 bye. So, Even, I'm not excited about him, but he's at least a volume play at this point, which it looked like he might not be there for a little bit. Right. It's been nice to get the
1: rushing volume. Um, The passing game usage still isn't great. You know, he saw three targets last week. Gio Bernard ran almost twice as many pass routes as Joe Mixon, so that's still annoying. And the matchup here, obviously rough. Um, The Steelers, eighth in football outsiders run defense rankings, giving up just 3.8 yards per carry
0: through running backs on the season yeah the upshot here is maybe Pittsburgh's also crappy offense keeps them from blowing this game open and taking the running game out of him yep Tyler Boyd is still a volume play too he he only saw three targets last week but he saw eight the week before against Baltimore that was the first Ryan Finley game Boyd caught six for 62 in that game I don't think there is any upside here I'm not excited but I mean Tyler Boyd's still in play for PPR
1: Yeah, and Boyd complained publicly after getting those three targets last week. And you have Auden Tate unlikely to play this week after taking that hit to the head late in last week's game. So I think Boyd, a good volume bet, that volume is obviously worth less with Ryan
0: Finley under center. He should score points for not complaining publicly more often as a member of this Bengals team. (laughs) I agree. Jacksonville at Tennessee Titans by three points at home, low over under 41 and a half. I feel like we might get more points than Vegas is expecting from this one. And Nick Foles is the guy that I am comparing with Sam Darnold in deciding who to use this week. I, did, I personally feel more comfortable about Nick Foles. We've got Jacksonville offense that's 15th in passing efficiency, according to Football Outsiders. The Jets are still 32nd, even after last week at Washington. Titans are 22nd against the pass on defense, fourth against the run. So it's a matchup that favors trying to throw the ball more. We expected this offense to enter the season throwing the ball more after they got Foles, after they got offensive coordinator John DeFilippo, We've got DJ Chark, who's a beast, well beyond what anybody expected coming into the season. And now Tennessee has allowed four straight quarterbacks to throw two-plus touchdown passes, seven of ten opposing quarterbacks to throw two-plus for the season. And yeah, some good quarterbacks have been mixed in there, but they've also allowed two to Kyle Allen, two to Josh Allen, two to Gardner Minshew, and three to Jacoby Brissett. So yeah, it's definitely a good matchup for Foles.
1: I'm with Vegas here, though, and thinking this is going to be a lower scoring game. You know, I think the Titans are going to have success running the ball, and you know they'll be able to control the clock a little bit. But both these offenses are slow paced offenses, which hurts too. You know, Foles benefited last week from the what was it, 47 pass attempts. The Jags went 84 percent pass last week. You, know, you can't expect that to continue. And Doug Marone came out this week and said they need to you know get Leonard Fournette going on the ground again. So I do think they come out. Of this game, you know, trying to run the ball early at least. I think Foles is fine, but I would
0: use Darnold over him pretty easily. Okay, so they're only going to go 72% pass. <laughs> this if they do that, Foles has a shot to finish top 12. Oh, there you go. I I, I think he finishes top 12 this week. It could be a bet. <laughs> we'll think about that. <laughs> DJ Chark's an obvious start. DD Westbrook, Chris Connolly are in play. Um, Westbrook disappointed last week, but I think he's a solid bet for six plus targets here. He's seen that most weeks. Um, and Chris Conley has seen seven plus targets in four straight games. Now he led the Jaguars in playing time last week, even with Westbrook back healthy. We were getting lots of three wide receiver alignments from this team, and now tight end Josh Oliver is done for the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Conley and Dede Westbrook are close at this point. I would probably lean D.D. in PPR, and I'd, I'd probably lean Chris Conley in non PPR. Like you said, seven straight or sorry, four straight games with seven plus targets for Conley. He's seen. 18% of Nick Foles' total targets between you know the brief appearance in week one
0: and this past week. D.D. Westbrook has seen just 11% of Foles' targets. On the Tennessee side, Jacksonville's defense is 30th against the run, 11th against the pass. That is not how you want to be heading into a matchup with Tennessee. There will be lots of Derrick Henry in this game, and I don't feel like talking about anything else on that offense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Tannehill's worth a mention because he's the guy's finishes a top twelve fantasy quarterback in each of his four starts this season. That seems fluky to me and I, I would bet on that streak ending this week again against this Jags defense that's tougher against the pass than the run.
0: Yeah, I I think it's just gonna be they don't ask him to do nearly as much this yeah. game. They lead in this one, they ride Derrick Henry, and yeah, he just has doesn't have to do a whole lot. Yep, I could see that. So I'm not really interested
1: in Corey Davis, who is expected back this week after missing the game prior to the bye. Not interested in A.J. Brown. Um, at tight end, we'll have to see if Delaney Walker's back. Um, he was limited in Wednesday's practice. If he's back, I I think you just have to avoid both Walker and Jonu Smith
0: until we see how the work's going to be divided between those two guys. Yeah, and until we see how healthy Delaney Walker is because he's been in and out of the lineup for most of the season now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Titans just stuck with Jonu Smith as their lead tight end. You know, I think he he's the future at the position. So, um, but you know, if
0: Delaney's back, I think it's it's too risky to use Jonu. Dallas at New England Patriots by six and a half, and that is up a half point from where it opened. Forty six point over under, so not a ton of points here. Patriots have allowed four touchdown passes all season. Carson Wentz last week was the first quarterback to reach two hundred yards passing against them since Ben Roethlisberger in Week One. No quarterback since week one has reached 215 yards, Wentz stopped at 214. Bad spot for Dak Prescott. He played fine. He has played fine on the road overall this season. He mm-hmm. lit up the Lions and the Giants in his past two road games, but limited against the Jets with his second fewest yards per attempt all season. No touchdowns in that game. And the Saints clamped down on the Cowboys pass offense in their road matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, just a brutal matchup. New England's number one in our adjusted fantasy points allowed metric, and they're reducing quarterback scoring by 49%. So you know, they're easily number one. Lamar Jackson, the only quarterback to finish top 15 against the Patriots. Dak does have that rushing ability. He doesn't have Lamar Jackson's rushing ability, but you know, he's someone who can add, you know, 30 to 40 yards on the ground, which helps. But I would try to bench Dak Prescott this week. and I would use Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, Brissett on Thursday night, I would use over Dak Prescott. Nick Foles, even, I might use over Prescott.
0: No, I was waiting to see what you were going to say about <laughs> Nick Foles. Yeah, I would. I think I would go Nick Foles over Dak Prescott as well. And I, I think the Patriots are likely to worry more about stopping the pass offense than Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I, I think... A lot of people still probably think about Zeke first when they're looking at the Cowboys' offense, but the passing offense is going to hurt you a lot more than if Zeke Elliott rushes 25 times for 100 yards. The Patriots can absorb that and still win the game pretty easily. They're, As you mentioned, first and pass efficiency 13th against the run, uh, weaker on that side. I think they would probably prefer that Dallas ride Zeke in this game. So uh, Zeke Elliott is obviously a starter for everyone. I think they're going to be focused on stopping Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Yeah, and,
1: and if I'm the if I'm the Cowboys, I'm coming into this game with Zeke and the running game as my focal point because, like you said, you know the Patriots have been much much tougher against the pass than the run. They're giving up five point four yards per carry to running backs over the last four games, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Zeke has
0: a pretty big game here. And even Philly, with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, started out last week running the ball decently, yep. and then they just kind of abandoned it. So yep. it can't work. Yep. Cowboys sit middle of the league in rushing yards allowed and yards per carry allowed. Sonny Michel has seen 15 plus carries in seven of his 10 games on the season. The three times that Sonny Michel did not reach 15 carries were against the Jets in week three, against the Ravens in week nine, and against the Eagles last week. Mm -hmm. The Jets, we didn't know it at the time, but have been a tough rushing matchup this season. So that one kind of makes sense in retrospect. The Eagles, we knew were a tough rushing matchup. We weren't expecting good things from Sonny Michel last week. And the Ravens game, they were losing by a lot of points for most of that. So since we're not expecting them to fall behind in this game and Dallas is not a tough run defense, we should get good usage for Sonny Michel in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I expect like somewhere around 15 carries. I do think, though, Rex Burkhead is a problem for Sonny Michelle. You know, it it just it just turns a two man backfield into a three man backfield. And and this season, Michelle's averaged 19 carries and 2.7 targets per game in three games without Rex Burkhead. Those numbers drop to 13.9 carries and one target per game in the seven games Burkett has played in. So I do think it's an impact, but I also think Michelle, like you said, in this spot is a decent volume bet. And the Cowboys have also allowed the fifth most rushing touchdowns to running backs, So I think, you know, Michelle,
0: a decent touchdown bat here. It's an OK spot for James White, but his target volume hasn't been anything special lately. Five, three and seven over the past three games. Only three targets in the game against Baltimore. where They were trailing. They threw the ball a lot and it seemed like it should have been a fine matchup for James White. And then last week he saw seven against the Eagles, but he only had 16 yards on four catches.
1: Yeah, and Rex Burkhead has impacted James White, too. White's averaged 8.7 targets in games without Rex Burkhead, 5.1 in games with him. So, you know, 5.1, that's still a nice number. And and we should definitely mention that Mohamed Sanu is likely out of this game with a high ankle sprain. Philip Dorsett is iffy with a concussion. So, you know, if if, uh, Dorsett's out on top of Sanu, that, that would push more target volume to James White, I think.
0: Yeah, I do think those absences help the target counts for the the backfield as well. Good point. As you mentioned, Mohamed Sanu, Philip Dorsett looking likely to not play. Nikhil Harry saw his season debut last week, 43% playing time, four targets, three catches for 18. I mean, he could be in for He should be in for at least that role, assuming these other two wide receivers don't play. And Jacoby Myers could be in the lineup for this one as well.
1: Yeah, if Philip Dorsett is out on top of Mohamed Sanu, I I think Harry becomes an option. You know, d- down the line, it's risky, but I mean, I
0: still think he's a big talent and he's catching passes from Tom Brady. So we'll have to keep an eye on Dorsett. The guy I'm more interested in than these wide receivers is Benjamin Watson. Hmm. He's already been on the field as a run blocker. He has caught three plus passes in three of his four games. So we, it seems like pretty much every week we get a tight end who really pops relatively out of nowhere to give us you know top five fantasy numbers at this point i think watson could be that guy this week
1: he definitely could be that guy especially again you know with those wide receiver injuries and the cowboys have been struggling against tight ends football outsiders has them 25th in tight end coverage they're 30th in our adjusted fantasy points allowed and dallas has allowed four tight end touchdowns in their last five games
0: now green bay at san francisco on sunday night the niners are three point home favorites how has Aaron Rodgers fared <laughs> against tough QB defenses so far, Jared? Let me tell you.
1: So the the Niners will be the fifth top eight quarterback defense that Rodgers has faced this season. In the other four, he's finished quarterback 24, 26, 26, and 24. So that's not good. And, um, you know, someone asked this on Twitter and I... I made sure to look it up. But um, Rodgers had Devonte Adams in all four of those games. So he's someone I'd be trying to bench. You know, he's right there with Dak Prescott for me where I would use those streaming
0: options over Rodgers this week. I think I'd probably even use Dak Prescott over Aaron Rodgers if I were actually making that decision somewhere because I, I like Dak Prescott's weapons better. Yeah, I mean, they're both brutal matchups, but Dak has
1: been the much better fantasy quarterback this
0: season. I would play Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles outscores Aaron Rodgers this week. I I would not bet on Rodgers there. It looks like an Aaron Jones game. San Francisco has been much weaker on the ground, especially lately. And, you know, maybe it's even enough of a lean that way that it's also a Jamal Williams game.
1: Yeah, I think you can use Jamal Williams. I mean, the touch distribution hasn't been that wide between these guys over the last Two weeks, and I use two weeks because that's when Devonte Adams came back. Um, it's 21 carries for Jones to 15 for Jamal Williams, and Williams has out-targeted Jones 7-3 to three over that span. Aaron Jones's target volume has taken quite a bit of a hit when Devonte Adams has been healthy this season. And elsewhere
0: in the pass offense, I'm not interested in anything beyond Devonte Adams this weekend.
1: No, I mean, the wide receivers are a mess. Last time out, it was Geronimo Allison and Alan Lazard as the number two and number three. So you can't trust that, especially in this matchup. And then Jimmy Graham, the 49ers are first in Football Outsiders tight end coverage and second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Graham is way over the hill. Yep. On the other side, it's a good matchup for Tevin Coleman. He's a starter for most fantasy teams, but... A worrisome performer lately, and carries risk. It's good for him and his fantasy outlook. I think that Matt Breida doesn't look likely to play in this game.
1: Yeah, worrisome performance for Coleman, and worrisome volume too. He's he's averaging just eleven carries per game over the last four, and he's only seen forty two percent of the forty ers total running back carries over that span. So you know they're they're committed to a committee, regardless of if Matt Breida is healthy. I mean, if he's not, it's just going to be Raheem Mostert in that role. Uh, but like you said it, it is a good matchup Packers allowing 4.9 yards per carry on the season so uh, Coleman's a starter but maybe maybe not as strong a starter as, as
0: you might think based on what he's done you know earlier this season yeah I, th- I mean Raheem Mostert's obviously going to be pretty heavily involved I think that if Matt Breida were healthy I, he would be the better bet to lead the backfield in touches based on how they have split things between him and Tevin Coleman lately but with Breida out, I think it's it's Coleman who's going to lead, even if it's a slim lead over Raheem Mostert. Yep, agreed. And then Jeff Wilson's going to score a late touchdown where <laughs> you think you're finally getting fantasy points from Tevin Coleman. That was Jeff Wilson's only snap of the game, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> touchdown maker. Yeah. Devo Samuel is a low wide receiver three. Maybe even if Emmanuel Sanders... Well, okay, so Emmanuel Sanders should play. He did last week, yeah. and he's got to be in better shape rib-wise than he was <clears throat> last week. I would try to not use Emmanuel Sanders this week after what we saw last time. No practice Wednesday still, so he's obviously still dealing with pain. And I just read this morning where he told The Athletic last week he couldn't even raise his arms or run because of how sore his ribcage was until the day of that game. That's why he played about half that game. Yeah, and if you watch the game, you could
1: see him struggling out there. So yeah, I mean, Matt Breda... Manuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle didn't practice on Wednesday. Samuel hurt his shoulder in the second half of that game last week, missed a series or two, and then came back. So you know, he, he should be fine. We'll keep an eye on him. Manuel Sanders, I, I don't know if he made the injury worse or if you know he just couldn't make it through last week's game. But unless we hear that he's closer to 100%, I'm with you. I, I try not to use him just because you can't trust him to make it through the whole game.
0: And George Kittle has not practiced since Halloween.
1: Uh, is, is that is that true? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't expect him to play this week, and I think that keeps Ross Dwelly on the radar. <laughs>
0: yeah, it sure does. Baltimore at the Rams to close us out on Monday night. Baltimore's a three-point road favorite here. I'm not even sure we'll get as many points as this modest over-under size for this game. The past three Rams games have included 24, 29, and 34 total points. The Rams have allowed 45 quarterback rushing yards on the season, and 32 of those came from Russell Wilson. Now, I would bet on Lamar Jackson, you know, producing some yards on the ground and probably outproducing Russell Wilson's total. But I think that Wade Phillips is probably going to be ready for that aspect, going to keep it from being a 100-yard Lamar Jackson game. And I just think that this is not going to be a shootout type of game with a bunch of fantasy points.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I expected Bill Belichick to limit Jackson's rushing a few weeks ago, and he couldn't do it. So I, I'm not I'm not sure you know, there's a defensive coordinator right now that is capable of slowing down Jackson. Um, you're obviously starting him. I, I agree that I like the under here. I, I mostly because I don't trust the Rams offense to do anything.
0: Yeah, I think Wade Phillips front seven has more talent than the New England does at this point. New England front seven does. That's fair. I, I just I honestly don't know if it matters with Lamar right now. Yeah, I'm certainly not saying worry about Lamar Jackson. He's at the top of our QB rankings. I'm not arguing with it. You start him, and he should just be—he should be just fine fantasy wise. But uh, not expecting a ton of points. Uh, the Rams also recommitted to the run last week. They are third in run D overall. They're number eight in overall defensive efficiency. Um, like I said, recommitted to the run on offense last week. And this matchup for Baltimore, the defense um, favors. Running against the Ravens more than it does passing on them.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be super curious to see what happens with Todd Gurley here. I mean, you know, he's coming off the season high 25 carries, um, 75% snap rate last week was his highest since Week Five, and you know after that Week Five game, that's when he ended up missing the next game with what was it the, the quad injury I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious to see how his body bounces back here, and if the Rams are really you know going to ride him down the stretch. And I think it's possible they were trying to limit him early on and now they're going to just you know give him as much as he can handle so um yeah I definitely agree that this matchup sets up
0: more as a Todd Gurley game than a than a
1: Rams passing game
0: and I mean even if they limit Todd Gurley's exposure a little bit they've shown that they're willing to go to Malcolm Brown a decent amount they've shown that they like Daryl Henderson so I think we're going to get lots of running I'm really not seeing a whole lot in the way of sneaky plays on either side of this matchup I think the, the one guy worth mentioning in that vein is Gerald Everett, if he gets healthier this week. He was active last week, only played 25%. Tough to know how much of that was injury and how much of that was the plan to run the ball more.
1: Yeah, I would almost think it was both of those things. Um, you know, Jared Goff only had 21 dropbacks last week, so he, even if Everett played more, he he wasn't going to do much. Um, so I'm curious to see what he does in practice this week, how the Rams list him on the final injury report. So you know, we'll know that. By Saturday afternoon. I think the other thing with the Rams is at this point, plan on Robert Woods not playing. Um, You know, we we still don't know what the personal matter that kept him away from the team last week is. But, you know, as of Thursday morning, he still wasn't with the team. So
0: I kind of expect him not to play. That's going to do it for this week 12 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com now to see how we project and rank all these players against each other for the week. You can find streaming plays, you can find strength of schedule rankings, you can find DFS recommendations, and of course, fantasy vision write ups dating back from the current week to the beginning of the season on many, many, many players. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at SchaufDS. That's S C H A U F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shao saying thanks so much for swimming with us.